out. Because we need to uh, make a, a yearly flyer, flyer, a uh, door hanger. And we need about 350 bucks. And we're trying, we don't want to tap to other, you know, take from Peter to pay Paul. We want to be able to just pay for these door hangers. And I, I still got it in the mind. Here's the door hanger. We're going to have two-sided, but the one side is going to say, New Year, right? It's a new year. It's a new you. It's a new church. No perfect people allowed. Amen? Because believe me, if, if, if they're looking for a church with perfect people, this is the wrong place. Hallelujah. And I, I, that's from the top on down. Amen? So, and that's what we're looking for. Amen? So we, we wanna, I'm going to pick up that offering to raise up so we can go ahead and order them and have them for the new year. The new year is a great time to really hit it hard. Because you know how we do it in the new year. It's, it's a good time because we all want to make a change. You all want to do something better. We want to start the new year better, right? 2018 yeah. is going to be better than 2017. Yes. Yes. And so we're getting there. And so we want, to, we want to really, really hit that with all our heart. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm, kind of, I'm going to continue what we talked about last week. Uh, um, about looking. Or just looking. We don't want, we don't want no looky-loose. Amen? You all have Hebrews 11.1? 1? It says there, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain. I like that. And certain of what we do not see. Wow. Certain. There's something about being able to see things. Now here, faith says being certain of what you don't see. And what he's implying with the implication is what, what you don't physically see. It's not tangible like this mic. I see it. Right? That's not faith. I see it. But when I turn around, I say, well, I see a choir right here. Right? I see a horn section over here. So, do you see it? See, it's certain of things. You do not see, right? And that's what we're looking for. We want to build it to that. So there's something about being able to see, th see things that encourages you, right? Researchers from the University of Alabama, uh, Alabama made it to the, to the playoffs, even though they shouldn't have, but roll tide, right? Alabama have found that providing vision care to people, not just vision care, to people in nursing homes leads to a better quality of life and decreases depression. This is a physical thing. In other words, when a person can't see well, especially they're, and they're looking here at this uh, um, nursing home, it depressed them because they couldn't see whatever. But when their vision was corrected, it eliminated much of the depression they were experiencing and it improved their quality of life. Amazing. Just what they physically saw. See, the ability to see gives you something to look at or to occupy your mind or to encourage you, right? Now, if we extend this principle spiritually, we're talking about when, what one hopes for, right? So I gave you my example, what I'm hoping for. Horn section, right? A guitar player, choir, big choir have about 20 people up on stage for every worship singing. 
worship service, just singing. Amen? Amen. Even dress real nice, matching ensembles. I see it, right? So if we, we're talking about what we hope for. So one's vision, we can say, your vision provides hope. See, the worst state to be in is, is the lack of hope. Many people you run into who have no God or maybe no direction, they're, the problem they're facing is they have no hope. And without hope, that's when life gets meaningless and you tend to do things you would never normally do. Hopeless. You get more violent, more angry, more whatever. Hello? Because why? You've lost hope. What else is there to live for? Why? Who cares? See, vision, when we're talking about vision, what is vision? There's a lot of definition. The faculty of sight, eyesight, is one type of vision. Something that, that is or has been seen. Vision can be unusual competence in discernment or perception. Intelligent foresight. You know, like a, a leader of vision. The way one sees or conceives or thinks about something in their mind. The vision they have. A mental image produced by imagination. Vision, that's why you never stymie a child's imagination. You encourage it. Because it, it, it creates vision. Or, or the mystical experience of seeing as if with the eyes in the supernatural. You had a vision. So, so I want us to understand when we talk about vision, it's the test of one's faith that is foundational or is the foundation of accomplishing God's vision for your life. Or better yet, God's vision for himself. Because really everything rests on God's vision for himself. We're, we're so you know, self-centered that we actually think uh, God is, 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 all his vision is just so you can live better. So we're like, you know, it's a vision for me. No, no. God has a vision for himself. How we tie to his vision determines how blessed you will be. You know, it's not like oh, God's in heaven. Well, I have to create a spe specific perfect vision for her and for her and for him and for him and for him and for him and tie them all together so that it pleases me. No, no, no. God has a vision. We have to figure it out as best as we can and lock into our part of God's vision. It's God-centered, not man-centered. See, the God, that, that's, that's the American gospel, a man-centered gospel. The, the name it and claim it, the user-friendly service. Everything is centered around you. And let me tell you something. It, 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 everything is not centered around you. Everything is centered around God. And you better jump on in. Amen? Because that's how it has to be. Otherwise, you create a, a, a visionless church. What do I want to say? Visionless. Everybody has, everybody has a personal vision. You'd be like, I have my personal vision, but I could care less about Sam's vision. You're on your own, dude. That, that's not, a, that's not a, a God vision. That's a, that's a misinterpretation or, or, or perversion of vision. James 1.23 says this. Let's all turn there. And we read this last week. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at the natural face of the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. Don't just look at it. And what? Abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This 
man will be blessed. Very clear. The one who abides and does, not just the one who comes to church and says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. No, the one who abides by it and does it, this person will become blessed. See, we talked about that last week, just looking. Remember the just looking state? It's a dangerous state to be in. When you look, you tempt the lust of the eyes. Anybody been there? Don't raise your hand. Because I know you all should have raised your hand. Hello, someone. Especially men, you and your rubbernecks. Hello, let me get back here. You know, just looking where you shouldn't be looking. Well, well come on, why is you doing like a boom? He's talking to you right now. Right? Uh, the lust for control, because you see what you want, you want to control it. And the, ultimately, the lust of flesh. Why? Because you're just looking. So if you're just looking, even in church, and you don't start doing, that's what's going to happen. You're going to, the lust of the eye, the lust for control, and the, and the lust of the flesh will start rising up. Because you're not doing anything. James 1.14 says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You can't say the devil made you do it. Your mama didn't make you do it. It wasn't your wife's fault or your husband's fault. It wasn't her fault or his fault. It was your fault. Each one is carried away by his own lust. When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin has accomplished, is accomplished, it brings forth death. So we must be careful to just be looking around. Hello. So what you see may be the very thing that takes you down. So better care, just care, make sure where your eyes are where they should be. Amen? Right? Just looking, that lack of commitment we talked about. See, so when you see the Lord and His works, you should be moved into action. Right? When I came to Victor Outreach the first time, I've seen people I know and guys from the neighborhood getting saved and changed and transformed. I said, oh, wait a minute, dude. This can't happen. How is this happening? It moved me into action. It didn't just like, wow, I'm going to spectate, like, I'm going to watch the game. No, I said, well, I got I to get in on this. There's something going on, right? Because I've seen what God was doing. And it's a very dangerous thing for you to get used to seeing people or other. It's very dangerous for you to get used to seeing miracles and not doing nothing. Because what happened, eventually the miracle will mean nothing to you. It'll just be another day in the park. But when you begin to actively involve, the miracle never gets old. Amen. It's always fresh. The new miracle excites you again and again and again and again. Yeah. See, James 1.23, we said, For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face. And when he leaves, he forgets how he looks. And some people spend all their lives just looking, right? Don't go in and out of relationships without daring to love, because then you're just looking. Huh? Never venture into a church without opening your heart. Because then you're just looking. We have to be doers who act. See, the whole point of what I'm getting to today, the whole point of faith is that you can't know every detail. Because, well, I don't know if I open my heart, I might, might get hurt. Yeah, you might. Yes, you might. Let me let you in on it. Yeah, that might happen. That's a whole aspect of faith. But on the other side, and you might find love in return. Don't you think that's worth the risk? Amen. So if you don't open up to love, you'll never, there'll never be love available. There's always a risk. You have to step out. Every possible development that awaits you, awaits you by faith. You've got to get out and work. So James 1.22 says this, and he says, prove yourselves. Prove yourselves. 
Look to your neighbor and say, prove it. Right? See, those, you, you must prove yourselves through the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So by faith, let's, let's look at faith a little bit. See, faith is not claiming to have religion. Right? I don't care how many times you, you cross your heart and hope to die. That's not faith. I don't care if you bathe in holy water every day. Drink, uh, uh, cook your eggs in the holy oil of the Holy Ghost. I don't care what you do. That is not faith. Huh? Belonging to a church is not faith. Faith is what we see in the Spirit. So when you say when you walk by faith, it means what you're seeing, how you're looking at the world when you're walking by faith. Not, not oh, I believe in Jesus and He loves me and I love Him. That's not what we're talking about. And People misconstrue the idea of what faith is. Faith is what you th- with the things you don't see, what you hope for, right? Faith is what we see in the Spirit. We talked about what we see visually, and we understand through the eye, that's the lust that begin to develop. But now what we see spiritually, Proverbs 20, 27 says this, The Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Very interesting. The, the lamp of the Lord is what? Think about what I just said, what it reads. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, Lord, searching all the innermost part of his being. So you want to look at yourself, right? You say, God, lead me, lead me by your lamp. He goes, your spirit is the lamp. Think about that. Because some people, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to lead me. And he said, what are you talking about? Now, if I were God, I'd say like this. What are you talking about, stupid? You are the lamp. You're the lamp. You're the lamp. And if you want to be led, guess what? You're not led by what you see on the outside. You're led by how you look at yourself on the inside. Well, that's too hard, Pastor. I mean, I, I just want to be led. Well, that's where the lamp is. And people, want, people don't want to be led. They want to be baby-fed. Oh, look at this little baby. Here, open your mouth. That's not, that's not how it is. Huh? See, the lamp, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the innermost part of his being. So now it's, it's turning faith around. Also, we think faith is what we see. Now, really, it's faith is turning around. Now, when you look at yourself, don't you hope you're different? God bless two of you. Let me say it again. When you look at yourself, don't you hope you were different? Faith is believing that it is and hoping what you see exists. So when I look at myself, my hope means, like I hope there's a band there, I hope that, but I also hope this. And so when you're walking by faith, your hope is always looking at you. Because lest you change, nothing changes. Your environment might change. You know, it'd be, it'd be terrible. It's terrible here. So some people think it'd have the mistake. Oh, I hate it. I got to move to another country or another state. Okay, go ahead. You move to another country. Boom. And guess what? The only problem is you might find a different situation, but there's one problem. You're there. And so now you still have to look here and change if you want to change where you're at. Well, it didn't work out here. What are you going to do? I'm going to go somewhere else. And then you, after about 10 moves, you realize you keep following you. So you have, the lamp is in you. Hello. 
So whatever our spirit sees is, a, is the lamp of the Lord. Whatever our spirit sees in us, God speaks, we listen, and then we see God's plan. So God says, okay, Jose, you got to change this area because you've been looking inside. Change it. And he goes, I can't change. God ain't down with me. Guess what? I'm not going to show you what I have a plan for you. Why should he show you? Because he has to deal with you before he can give you his plan, his direction. What good would it give you the direction to the yellow brick road? Uh, 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 you know, here's the direction, yellow brick road, yay. And on the way, you're smoking all the crack you see. Can I say that? Because a lot of you, are, you know, do that or have done that, can I say? So he don't show you the plan. Why? Because he's got to look inside you. Got to change that you. That takes a lot of faith, huh? Huh? God speaks, we listen, then we see his plan. It's always in that order. Because this is true. The world and Satan's devices constantly try to influence your spirit. So if, if the world and everything that can influence your spirit, guess what? Your spirit can't be led by God's lamp because you're the lamp. So your spirit is following the wrong thing, never allowing God to change you so that he can lead you. Got to change before you can be led. People say, well, lead me first. No, no, no. Got to change before you can be led. Could you imagine if I still act like I was when I grew up in the neighborhood and I was a pastor today? Could you imagine that? That's how you talk. ¿Qué pasa, masa? ¿Qué tal? ¿Qué estás haciendo, hombre? Eh, nada, aquí nomás. You say, well, who, who's that guy? That's Pastor Vato Loco. Huh? Pimp Daddy Pastor. It doesn't work that way. God said, God wanted me to become a pastor, but I, I had a change by my light. Hello? I had a change. So he changed me, transformed me, shaped me. Why? Because he had a plan for me that I didn't know. But unless you change here, you don't think you're going to get anywhere else. Hello? Because it's what you look at. Ah. See, the best way for the enemy to convolute the spirit in you is to make you sin. That's the best way. If you're an animal, perro, dog, Hey, dog, who let the dogs out? You, 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 you. If that's you, all he's got to do is make you sin. The next best way is to feed your selfishness. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's, all, if it's, it's not all about you. The world does not revolve around you. Right? See, when one is selfish, faith is non-existent. And the enemy knows that if I can... Feed selfishness, he will never have faith or she will never have faith. Right? So he's always trying to put things out there. You deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve this. Oh, come on. It's you. Oh, it's, you know, and, and everything. Yeah, it's me. And we fall for it. Hello. See, faith is only faith when it separates you from you. Mm. So how does, how does selfishness disrupt faith? Okay, let's keep going. When I look at everything and I, I see God's plan, God is not that complicated. 
He gave us a commission. Particular, focus on that. They focus on everything else. Jesus is going to heal me. Jesus is going to bless me. He laid on the sick. He did all that. And they, they, they talk about all that. And then he said, but then he said to make disciples. Well, let's not talk about that. Why? Because most Christians don't do that. Can I, can I say amen? amen. So can anybody say ouch? See, and, and, and that's the issue. The most important thing is you're to make a disciple, not to get healed. Now, Jesus wants to heal you, but that's not the most important thing. Uh, make a disciple, that's the most important. Oh, but how about my job? Well, Jesus wants you to work. He don't want you to sit around, but that's not the most important thing. In the process of being a disciple, you get healed. In the process of making disciples, you get your career. In the process of making disciples, you travel the world. But see, we leave out that very important thing. Why? Because the enemy knows if I can kill that, that'll be a selfish Christian. Oh, man, I'm starting to preach now. See, but... And here's, the, here's the, another difficult thing. One must choose to be a disciple. No one can make you be a disciple. Because if I make you, that's not a disciple, that's a slave. A disciple is a free will choice. And so we get to choose it, now we get to choose. And so since most believers in the United States choose not to be disciples, guess what? Most people gravitate to those people. They don't want to gravitate, gravitate to disciples because if they gravitate to disciples, they're going to feel convicted for not making disciples or being disciples. So is there any non-disciples out there? Hey, let's go to that church of 20,000. We can hide with them. Hello. So they all hide amongst themselves. We're called to be disciples. Right? Let me say, I'm looking at the faces here and you're all looking nervous. Don't be nervous. So when you're called to be a disciple, God has a plan for you. God's going to give you stuff that you'll, it'll blow people's mind. See, most people just sit down and watch Christian TV and say, oh, I wish I could do that. Not me. I look, I look at that. I don't want to watch TV. I want to go do that. I don't need to watch, a, watch a, what a missionary does. I don't need to go watch that. I, why would I want to waste my time watching somebody else have fun? I'm going to go have fun myself. We're going to do that. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. So one must choose to be a disciple. See, a disciple is a student in the Old Testament, the New Testament was a student of rabbis or philosophers. Normally, these people would commit to memorize, memorizing scripture, Bible, different theses, and live according to their master's challenge. And that's the other difficult part. Now you have to have master. I ain't nobody's master. What are you talking about? I'm a man's man. I run my own life. And see, here's the challenge. How can I tell an American who is in charge of their life, has their own bank account, is making good money, who's doing great things, that you need to find a master? Because basically that's what a disciple means. So we don't use that word like that because we don't want to get nobody mad. You know, I'm not no master. Oh, no, you want to be a disciple of God? Oh, okay, that sounds a little better. Okay, but really it means, hey, you're going to say, I am going to follow under orders. I'm going to find a man of God and follow him because I'm going to be a disciple. And then they get real religious. Remember religion? Because they don't like that. They go, nope, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. Okay, okay, that sounds real real, real good and religious. Then what are you doing for Jesus? Well, nothing. what, What kind of Jesus are you following then? 
Because there are, the Bible says in the end times there will be many Jesus, and that's the very truth. People use Jesus, you know, you got to say it's Jesus, not Jesus, uh, or, you know, hey, que obo, que pasa, Jesus. No, no, it's, it's Jesus the Christ. Said so if you're going to really be a disciple of Jesus the Christ, guess what? Jesus the Christ said, you need to follow a man of God. That's what he'll tell you. But we all get religious because discipleship is a trip, ain't it? It is. It's a trip. Hello. Because it takes a lot of faith. Huge amounts of faith. When I came to Victor Outreach, my pastor said he OD'd nine times. Are you kidding me? I was mad. Right, Pastor Steve? Right, Tony? Like, what? He should, he should follow me then. He's a, just an ex-dope fiend. I've never been a dope fiend like that. I ain't going to follow that dude. That was my first response in my head. I go, are you kidding me? He's a pastor. He OD'd how many times? Oh, it's chavala. I would say. That's how I thought. I was like, oh, no way. And the Holy Spirit said, yes way. No way. Yes way. No. I had this battle. Right? Because now I had to, this took a huge amount of faith to say, okay, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to let that man lead me. It was discipleship. When you read the Bible, you can try to read all you want, try to get out of it. You can't. All you can do now is get mad at me because I didn't let you in on something. <laughs> but you're going to have to be discipled by somebody. Elijah, Elisha, Paul, Silas, Hunk, Moses, Joshua. Come on. It's, throughout Scripture, it's always, that's always been the plan. And the only reason why Victor Average has grown to this point is because somehow the grace of God fell on many people and said, we will be discipled by that man. We chose to be his disciple. In fact, it's a, it's a badge of honor to be considered one of Sonny's guys. Right? And because of that mentality, we're able to expand the ministry all over the world. You can't do that if everybody wants to do their own thing. If everybody thinks they're the Isley brothers, you know what I'm talking about? It's your thing. Do what you want to do. Da -da 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 -da. I can't tell you da -da -da who to sock it to. It's not your thing. Not if you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, it's whoever your discipler is. It's his thing. That's what creates a world-changing ministry. Bringing together unity, not individualism. Unity. Unity as one mind. When Nehemiah built the wall, he brought millions of people together. And the Bible says they came together in one mind. That's how they built the wall. Not a bunch of individuals, but one mind. Or I could say one vision. See, it's vision that gives you hope. Hello. So we come all the way back around. See, many followers want to know the cost before they step out in faith. And you can't do that. You're going to just have to jump in. An old low caste woman in India, and you have the different caste system. You're at this level, this level, and that's just where you live all your life. They were building a temple, and she was once asked, she was asked, how much did that temple cost that's being built. And these are poor, poor people, some of the poorest people in the world. She turned to the missionary in surprise and said, well, we don't know. The temple is for our God. 
we don't worry about the cost. That's really counter-American culture. Because we don't do nothing unless we have the budget. Oh, and, and if, you know, everybody everybody's becomes an accountant all of a sudden, what are they doing with the money? What's happening with the money? They don't, they, they're doing it for their God. So there's many examples of faith when you look in the Bible. 11, Hebrews 11.3 reads, By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God at his command, so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Think about that faith. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Or can I say it like this? No one can prove God made the universe. Can anybody prove it? It's unprovable, correct? We believe God made the universe, but we believe that by faith. Because you can't prove it. Well, I was there in the beginning. You were there in the beginning? Are you Jesus? <laughs> Nobody knows, right? By faith, as we look at creation, we get little glimpses or proof that God made it. You know, right? We look at creation. Only one can deduce that there had to be a master creator that did all this. You, you look around, it's like, wow, it's amazing. Everything perfectly fits. Everything's right in order, right? So by faith, we, we see evidence, but we don't know. It's all done by faith. But listen to this. It takes more faith to believe that we evolved from some protoplasmic amoeba than to believe God created the heavens and the earth. Now think about that. Some people have so much faith, they actually believe that we came from an amoeba. Then he evolved somehow, poof, turned into a little tadpole. And poof, the tadpole started to walk. And then poof, it became a monkey. Then poof, are you kidding me? Right? So you drive your way to church. How many drove to church today, right? It took faith to drive from your house to church. Do you know you, driving from your house to church, you have a one in five in, one in five thousand odds that you will be killed in a car crash every time you drive. Every time. And every time you get in their car and drive, don't you? Gotta get a donut. Right? You drive. And by faith, you believe you're not going to die in a car crash. One in, and you have a one in 5,000 odds. Who's afraid to fly? Raise your hand. Okay? You have a one in an 11 million chance that you'll be killed. So, listen, one in 11 million of dying in a plane, but you'll get in a car every day. Uh, but that's a sidebar. Let me get back here. So how many of us today believe we have faith? Huh? When you think about it, do you have faith? See, James, the brother Jesus, says, well, no, let me ask that question. How many here say you have faith? Yeah. Oh, the rest of you don't have faith? Okay, I'm not going to say, how many, let me ask a question, because everybody's got to participate in this one. How many here believe they have faith? Okay, we're going to wait till every hand goes up. If not, you're the devil, you got to leave. Okay, thank you very much. I got every hand up. Amen? That's one way to get it. I'm up. Hallelujah. Well, James says, prove it. Now? Now what? Who's your daddy now? Prove it. You say you have faith? Prove it. 
James 1.22 says, but prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. Wow. Jesus' brother was cold-blooded. See, it is very easy to discern if a person has used their eyes to see in the spirit. See, those who have, have an encounter with God, they look for opportunities to prove it. Better yet, God will always place them in a position to be tested. But those that are not walking in faith always look for opportunities to hide from what God is calling them to do. So are you hiding or are you looking for an opportunity to prove it? Hmm. Simple. Whether you want to or not, it's just a fact. Faith must be tested. So my job, understanding that faith is going to be tested. So my job, even by preaching, every time I preach, my job, every time I teach, my job, every time is, is to prepare you for your test. That's all I ever do. When I come to preach, I'm always thinking, this, I know this is going to happen. I have to prepare you for your test because faith, if you have faith, it has to be tested. It just can't just live on and, and, and let you go thinking you have faith when you don't. Because when you have faith and it's tested, then you'll know if you indeed had faith. Right? God knows, but he needs to hip you. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And he tells this church, examine yourself. To see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ in you is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. That's heavy right there. So we all say we have faith. Okay, then test yourself. Don't, don't, I don't have to do it. Test yourself. And when you come through it, if you make it, then you know, I think Jesus is in you. But if you didn't make it, I'm not saying this. Paul says, Jesus is in you unless, unless what? You fail the test. That's pretty heavy stuff right there, huh? Examine yourself. See, the self-examination, this process is so important that companies run to consultants to, exa to examine their organization. There's one of my favorites, it's called a, a 360 eval, uh, and, and basically a 360 review is a professional feedback opportunity that enables a group of coworkers, maybe a church, to provide feedback about a person's performance. So it would be like if I did a 360 eval on Sam, I would find a few of his contemporaries at, at his level, then I'd find a few people that he works, uh, he leads underneath him, then I'd find a few above him. And it, we would all give an evaluation of him. It's a 360 evaluation. Because without a eva proper evaluation, you don't know how to improve the organization. Correct? Well, in the same respect, without a true examination of us, we don't know how to improve ourselves. Because ultimately, you are responsible for you. Jesus does not say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So if you're called, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a suggestion, a command, if you will, to work out your own salvation, then it stands the reason some way, somehow, you need to evaluate yourself. Hmm? 
See, we're all talking about individual change. We thought about earlier. If God is going to lead you, you're the lamp. You are the spirit lamp. You're the lamp of God's, God's leading, right? So, so that means we're talking about individual change because if we don't clarify the lamp, you're going to lead yourself down the wrong road. So this lamp, you, individual, has to change. If you're the same today as you were when you first met the Lord or somebody said you met the Lord, whether you met him or not, I don't know, but somebody said that, if you're still the same, I dare say you have not met the Lord. You can't remain the same and be in contact with, a, with the creator of heavens and earth. Listen, if he created the heavens and the earth and you met him, he's going to change you. He's going to make you better. That's just what he does. But if you're still the same, you didn't meet Jesus. You met Jack in the box. Hmm? See, an examination su- suggests that you have decided to change. Dennis Sparks, writing in the Journal of Staff Development, says, Change. It's a matter of life or a slow death. See, he has also said that change begins with us and radiates outward. It always begins with us. So an an examination is profitable if it leads to change. If you examine yourself and say, I'm good. That's why you need a 360 examination. So you need help from others. That's why you have a body. Because you might think you're good, but the body says, boy, you stink. Well, I'm good. Then the body's wrong. Yeah, okay. Uh, right? No. So you, a good examination, an honest examination is you, you find your leader, a couple leaders, a couple next to you. Some people, maybe if you're helping the lead, and then, then you get an, an examination and really get a, a good examination. Because oftentimes we, we think too highly of ourselves. Hmm? And that, that's not... A dig at anybody. That's just a reality. It's hard to look at ourselves and, and, and really be honest with ourselves and if we're all messed up. Right? So there are several examinations. But the examination of faith, that's a whole different thing. Because you can examine, examine the Bible. It talks about different examinations. Your love and forgiveness, God tells us to look at that. He even says, test me in tithes and offering. Test me, saith the Lord. Right? Tithes and give you, examine. Trust and kind. Do you trust the Lord? Are you kind? There's all these examinations. Patience and prayer. Assembling together. Faithfulness and faithful to God are different than your walk of faith. Faithfulness means you're, you're always in church. You're always, and that's great. That's faithfulness. But that, that doesn't mean you're examining yourself and walking by faith. It means you like church. Which is cool. But we're walking by faith. So our charge is to see if we have faith. And Paul says, you need to test yourself. The step of faith is voluntary. God very seldom puts a a person to a test of faith. He says, test yourself. When when God puts you into into his test of faith, that means you're at a whole different level. He did that with with Abraham. Abraham, He said, Abraham, get your son. We're going to kill him right now. Are you kidding me? 
That's a heavy testify. Take him, bring the lamb, bring, bring the knife. Don't worry about a sacrifice. We got one. His name is Isaac. That's a test of faith. And Abram had to come to the point that in his heart, he killed his son. And when God realized that in his heart, he was able and willing to kill his son, he said, don't touch him. I did that to test, test. him. That's a heavy test. The Holy Spirit tested Jesus, the man. The Bible says that he took him out and tested him for 40 days. Right? And it says that Satan took him to the highest pinnacle and said, I can give you all this. And Jesus understood his mission. He knew that he was coming to, to bring back authority to us. Right? He knew he was coming back to, become, to be placed back on the throne of earth, the God of earth. He knew that he was coming back to take it over. And Satan had a hunch. He wasn't sure. He had a hunch. He goes, I'll give this all to you. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to be humiliated. You don't have to be beat. You can have it all. All you have to do is bow down to me. Test it. No, we won't have those kind of tests. Maybe one or two might in this room. Hopefully four or five. Because if four or five happens, we're going to have a bad ministry. If four or five of us get that kind of a test, we're going to have a bad ministry. We're going to rock the world. I hope there's some of you out there can handle something like that. Come on, come on in, let's do this. Because somebody's got to do it. But if we can have at least a few, a handful that can take that kind of a test, I'm telling you, we're going to rock the world. But the reality is most people said, nah, it's too heavy for me. I got to go hide. Walk, 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 little chicken. Arr. They're running, running for cover. They don't want that kind of ministry. They just want to play church. Kumbaya, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just don't dig that. I don't. I, I, want, to, I want to move the world. I want to shake the world. I, don't, I want to go down, and I want people to come with. Let's go down when they'll be talking about us. You know how we talk about David's mighty men, and then Joab, and uh, Benedict. We have all these. I want to, come on, let's name them. Yeah, Pastor Al, right? Pastor Sam, huh? Come on now. The worship team was up there. That worship team in Colorado Springs, they were so bad, the devil was afraid of them. I mean, I want to go down with that kind of history. We, and we have to be willing to fight for it. It's not going to be, oh, here you go. I'm going to give it to you. No, we've got to fight for that. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. See, the faith we are discussing today is more than just simple belief. God's faith meter, and he has one. He checks people out. He checks out a faith meter. That's a trip. He measures your faith. A faith meter. If you look at Hebrews 10, I call it the faith meter. That whole chapter. But for the sake of time... Let me read a few verses in Hebrews 10, 26. Let me start there. He says this, and he begins with your faith. He's got to check this out. If we deliberately keep on sinning, if we have received the knowledge of truth, there's no sacrifice for you. See, so he begins with, we got to work on our sin issue. Amen? Yeah. Okay, that's the first step. Now we're going to step into the faith meter. right? Because if you're out here, you're sinning. You haven't even got into the meter section. 
He's just letting you play a game, and maybe you might have a gift, and he lets you use it because he gave you the gift when you were a dirty dog, so you can use it anyway. So he gave you the gift, and he never takes it back. So we're out there, we think we're cool. No, 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 you haven't even gotten to the faith meter. We have to come to the point where we're going to, we reject sin. We reject it. We've got to get it. And is that hard? No. It is hard. But we can get there, but you've got to fight for it. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Amen. Verse 32. Remember those early days after you had received the light? When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Now the faith meter. In the face of suffering, you stood your ground. Now he's checking your faith. Verse 33. Continue. You were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Some people hate to be talked about. How can you get there? See, you, you can't even handle being talked about, and you think you walk by faith. Those things can't affect you. Why? Because when you start walking deeper and deeper with God, and you come up to higher devils and demons, your, 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 pay, your name might be on the, the Wall Street Journal. How are you going to handle that? you got to be able to shake that thing off. So that's a lying devil. Come on, let's do this. Because yeah, yeah. you're walking by faith. But, oh, he, told, he called me a poo-poo nana. <laughs> that's, that, that's enough to shake your faith? Are you with me? You understand what I'm talking about? Verse 34. He says, you sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. In other words, the, the law was coming out there, persecuting them, putting them in prison, and taking their stuff, and you still rejoiced. God is measuring your faith. Wow, check the faith over there. That's heavy faith right there. Verse 35. So don't not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So we want what he was promised, but we don't like the other stuff. See, and, and everybody's different, but we're all going to have to go through things. Hello? And it's, it's not what you go through that matters. It's how you go through it. So get, God measures your faith. He goes, man, they went through the mill. They suffered. They did this. They did this. And they're still standing. They persevered. Their promise, boom, comes. But see, we want the promise. We, but I don't want no problems. I want everybody to like me. I wish that were the case. I have so many people who don't like me. I need, I need one of those things. You, you, know, you know, you go to the carnesseria and you want to get you know, some, some good meat there in the carnesseria. You got, you got all these people in line. What do you got to do? Take a number. I need one of those. Yeah. Put it out front for people who don't like me. Just take a number. I, it doesn't bother me. I just got to keep preaching the gospel. I got to keep doing what I'm called to do. God has given us a mission. God has given us a purpose. God has given us a plan. And as a people, we have to be able to endure sometimes. Now, we live in America. Even our troubles don't match to many of the world. Nevertheless, we have troubles, but we should be able to withstand these things. Be blessed. See, you know, we're kind of, I'm, we're kind of, no, we're really blessed. We get to go anywhere in the world and fellowship in people's sufferings, help them, and God allows us to come back for a reprieve. That is like really a cool thing that God does for us. That is a blessing. Amen? 
Verse 39, Hebrews 10. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believed and are saved. See, so God, that's his meter. See, the measures of faith. Hebrews 11, 4, as I'm coming in, I can, I can ask Anthony to come on up. It says there, Hebrews 11, 4, as you continue that process, it says, by faith, Abel offered God a, a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith. So we need to test our sacrifice. Does your sacrifice, what you do, speak of righteousness? Or are you complaining after, oh, I've done so much and I get no credit. What kind of a sacrifice is that? You, you see how, how Christianity gets convoluted itself? We have to understand what God has called us to do. Test your sacrifice. Your sacrifice should be evidence of your righteousness. Remember when, when King David sacrificed bull after bull and he danced before the Lord? It was evidence of his relationship with God. It was evidence that he had, he had met Jesus. He had met his maker. He was dancing before the Lord. Something stirred in him. He couldn't contain himself. His sacrifice evidenced that. What does your sacrifice evidence? We have to test ourselves. Check our, examine ourselves. Right? By faith, verse 5, Enoch was taken from life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now that's the next thing. One who pleased God. Now pleasing God is only contingent. There's only one way to please God. It's not, I don't care if you bring a, a $100,000 tithe here. If you bring it, well, I'll be pleased. But God won't be pleased. That's not what pleases God. Uh-uh. What, there's only one thing that pleases God. Now, we could do these things, and there's, there's other scriptures that, that tell us what we should do and how we should act, but that's not what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says it all. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what am I saying? I'll use that $100,000 offering. He brings $100,000 offering. But if there's no faith in it, it's just, it just money. So in other words, that person that walks on down the aisle and does that has experienced some type of faith reaction with God somewhere along the line. Something happened. I don't know. Maybe it was a $100,000 tithe. They made a, a million-dollar deal, and they know it was God. And they had this deal going on with God somewhere, and boom, it hit them. Now, when they bring it, God is pleased. Why? Because there was faith going on that stimulated the sacrifice. But if you're just stimulating a sacrifice because you need a tax break from the IRS, that's not faith. I mean, we'll use it, but that's not faith. Everything you give must be stimulated by some type of faith reaction in life. Anywhere. You were walking with God, talking with God. Something happened. It hit you. Boom. It was so exciting and enjoyable. The first thing you think of, I got to give a sacrifice. I got to do something. God did something. And then you begin to give. That's faith. Huh? And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. 
and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, not yet seen, the holy fear, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, what he did condemned the world. Ooh, that is heavy. Why? Because God had to restore the earth. He couldn't wipe out all mankind because he already gave a promise. He already said, be fruitful and multiply. So he was kind of like in a, he needed to find somebody by faith because he couldn't destroy the whole world. And it wasn't until God found somebody who would do something by faith. It could have been decades, hundreds of years. We don't know how, the time frame it took God to find Noah. But once he found Noah, he goes, there's a man. Hey, wait a minute, I got somebody here. Because he was looking for a man because he, he had repented that he had made mankind. He wanted to kill them all, but he couldn't because he needed faith. And he goes, hey, there's Noah. And once Noah responded by faith, his faith wiped the world out. One man's faith. Why do you think I can say this? One man's faith. If one man's faith can wipe the whole world out, one man's faith can change the whole world. That's the kind of belief I have. One man's faith. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. There's more than one man in here. When I say man, I'm talking about woman. The only difference between a man and a, and a woman is a woman has a womb. Womb, man. Right? All it takes is that kind of faith. We have more than one. If we have five, ten, are you kidding me? Twenty? Thirty? With that type of faith? Forget, let's change the world and then let's figure out how to get to Mars. Let's change that too. Let's do something. We can do stuff by faith. So is your trust based on what is tangible? Or do you believe in things not seen? That's faith. Man, you keep looking at it. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, the people. By faith, the walls were built. By faith, Jericho's wall fell down. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. By faith, your name. By faith. So as Paul would say, and he did say earlier, we need to examine ourselves. I, I can't examine you. It takes too long and it's too difficult. You know why? Because I have enough trouble examining me. That, that keeps me pretty busy. I got to examine me. When people, like I always say, people have enough time to examine everybody else, they're not spending enough time examining themselves. You got to examine you. I want every head bowed and every head closed. Hallelujah. By faith, by faith. By faith, Victor Ridge, Colorado Springs plants churches in Asia, in the Philippines. By faith, we plant a church in Indonesia. By faith, we go to Singapore. By faith, we plant a church in Vietnam. By faith, we plant a church in Burma. By faith, we plant a church in China. By faith, we go to Taiwan. By faith, we're in Korea. By faith. By faith. 
So we have a great commission. My, my, my reminder to you is, do you want to respond to the commission that Jesus gave us all to go into all the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. If that's you, the altars are open.